You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. Coop and I are here to give you a look at week 10 of the NFL season, how it's going to impact your fantasy football lineups, the top stories of the week, top stories coming out of last week, and all the good stuff in between. Coop, man, how you been? I've been good, man. I feel after how crazy last week was, suffering from football news withdrawal, right? We were bombarded last week, and then this week, we're just waiting on Odell, I guess. There's been a few different things. Odell's obviously the big one, obviously cleared through waivers there on Tuesday. We're recording here Wednesday evening. Still no decision made yet by OBJ where he's going to go. We've seen reports that the Packers and the Saints were two of the favorites potentially to be in him. We've seen the Chiefs floated out. And then, of course, Coop and I from the New England area. It's been a hard-hitting story around here all day that even he is potentially considering coming to New England. So while we wait for that to come out, that's certainly going to be the big pin to drop. But we do have some other stuff that's come out over the past couple of days here. Injury-wise, Chris Godwin injured, has an injury that's going to potentially keep him out this week, which is kind of odd coming out of a bye for him to immediately be hurt, basically, on the first day of practice. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara is also questionable with an ankle injury that he saw last week. So those are definitely some big names. We saw Chase Claypool dealing with an injury that could keep him out of this week as well. So uh, as we go through these matchups here, we're certainly going to hit upon some of the other stuff, Coop. But before we get going, any other thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say with Odell, you got, I think every fan base is in the same boat. If he comes to your team, you'll be excited. And if he goes to another team, you'll be like, oh, we didn't want that distraction here anyway. That's my thought on it. But if, if. Bill Belichick wants him. I want him. Same way. I feel a lot of people are in that boat. And the other thing that I just want to touch on is that we have to talk about briefly in this news segment in the beginning, this Dalvin Cook situation. Yep. It's starting to get kind of weird. I mean, it's he's starting to look like he's using the, the politician playbook of accuse them of what they're accusing you of, right? right. So this is going to have to be sorted out in the legal system. We don't want to speculate. Nobody should in these instances. These are real people. These are real situations. I'll say the shared text message thread that I've seen floating around there doesn't look good for Mr. Dalvin Cook. Regardless of what may have happened to him, uh, if you if you believe what's been shared around there, he he's not an innocent party in this either. So you said, though, not here to make assumptions. Obviously, these things can be misconstrued and documented in different ways. So, yeah, you got to kind of let that process play out. But, yeah, never never something you want to pay gotta, attention to. Got to mention it. Yeah, we yeah, got to mention gotta... it, but we can't we're not going to sit here and speculate on it. But I mean, Alexander Madison is owned in most of your leagues. You should roster him now if you can. That's that's all we'll say about that. I agree with you there. So, uh, Coop, let's just jump in then to a first matchup here. Thursday Night Football, we have the Baltimore Ravens going up against the Miami Dolphins. Tua is questionable to play this week. Obviously, uh, while you and I were on the Sunday live stream, Tua gets ruled out with that finger injury. They put in Jacoby Brissett. They lost Devontae Parker to IR as well going into their week last week. And then Lamar was gangbunked. He had a fantastic fantasy, fantasy day. So did Hollywood Brown. Another monster game for him. A lot of that did come in overtime, but can't take away from the production. And then the running game. The, the Le'Veon Bell scored, I think it was. Freeman scored as well in that game so baltimore's offense a little bit predictable as, as we kind of assumed it would be and then there's still questions there with the, with miami regarding the quarterback situation yeah i mean so let's look at the miami side right will fuller is already out Devonte parker obviously can't play when this happens we know what they want to do in terms of wide receivers right they basically use jalen waddle every snap mac collins is the guy that plays the most snaps besides him whether he's relevant or not enough for redraft leagues, probably not. Maybe a maybe a Thursday night, one of those uh, showdowns. I absolutely sure. be interested in using uh, Matt Collins there because he's playing the snaps. And he's a guy that we've seen. He's got speed. He's explosive. He could score. And then basically what they do is they use Mike Gusecki as the third wide receiver. We've seen it all year. Last week, he played 54 snaps at wide receiver, only five in line. I mean, Alan Lazard is playing just as much tight end as Gusecki is. The reality is that Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen are the tight ends. Right. So that's what you got going on there. And Miles Gaskin, he's a guy, man. We didn't know we, we were back and forth on that. It was the snaps are back and forth. But I mean, if he's going to play as much as he has the last couple of weeks, he's a guy you start. He's a flex, which we were hoping he would be at the beginning of the year. It just they needed to go through some growing pains there, apparently. Then with the Ravens, the Ravens did a lot of what they do. They played 98 snaps. Hollywood played 80, which is good. But the next closest guy was Bateman at 65. I mean, you start Hollywood. 
You consider Bateman, nobody else is even close. You can't start Devin Duvernay. You can't trust any of those other guys. Mark Andrews, you always start. And then I got to throw this back on you, John. I mean, are you trusting Devonta Freeman? He's getting some looks here. Uh, is Latavius Murray going to be back? I mean, what yeah, do you think? Murray is doubtful for this week, from what I've seen. Bell, Bell, excuse me. I think Bell got double digit carries, didn't he? Didn't he end up with 11 carries? Yeah. Um, in that game, it's weird I, that he didn't play a lot of he didn't play nearly as many snaps as yeah. Free, uh, Freeman's getting all the pass snaps, but they both yeah, got it, they both got double digit carries. Freeman Freeman actually a lot of his I say his big runs there came in overtime as well, so it's not hard to adjust. But they're both scoring touchdowns, so you're you're kind of if you have them and you need a running back, you play them. But I'm not sitting here feeling confident as them as anything more than like an RB three flex situation i'll tell you right now i got a league my actually my big hometown league everyone's got a big hometown league my big hometown league i have saquon on by and hurt i have joe mixon on by i lost raheem moster i lost james white and i my other running back is david johnson who's on by so i picked up freeman and Le'Veon two weeks ago knowing this is coming and i gotta start one as my rb1 this week so i'm starting devonta freeman i think of the two if i had to pick up the two i'm starting the guy that he played double the snaps of bell so anybody yeah. out there who's just in a total jam freeman's the guy you want to go with yeah 100 you want you want the snaps we talk about that all the time next match here we have the saints versus the titans tennessee's giving three it's a 44 and a half over run to here Tennessee, I, I don't know, right? They're seven and two. <laughs> They're three and one against the spread at home. They're seven and two against the spread. They just upset what I think the Rams. You know, there were seven and a half point underdogs in that game. And they they went and they blew doors in a game where everybody expected them to get run out. Peterson doesn't look good, but scores a touchdown. Don Foreman played okay, nothing great. McNichols didn't have to be used like we thought he was going to be because they were never for, they were never behind. He played 43 or 44% of the snaps, but the passing down work wasn't really needed out of him because they were playing from ahead. And then you have the Saints where the Simeon was a quarterback last week. They brought in Taysom Hill for a few plays, so it's not Hill wasn't able to go. I think Peyton just likes maybe the traditional quarterback, and Simeon had played okay the week prior. They even took the lead in that game, but ultimately lost it. The running back situation there, obviously Alvin Kamara got to monitor that status. I, I think with the biggest story maybe on this offense is your guy Adam Trotman finally, finally, after being touted all offseason by you, we now got two straight weeks, three straight weeks maybe even, of him really looking at a guy we can start trusting. Yeah, it's too, it's funny, too, because I was so in on Troutman in the offseason, the deep offseason. And then all of a sudden, preseason came around, and they were using Juwan Johnson in the Jared Cook role. They didn't even use Troutman at all. And I was, everyone, look out, watch out. And then Troutman didn't play any slot snaps to start the year. Seven and a half snaps per game for the first four weeks. Latin the three weeks after that, he played, he was averaging 18. This past week, he played almost 30 snaps in the slot. So I think they kind of were, okay, Michael Thomas isn't coming back. We got to do something different here. And Trotman's been playing that role. And uh, Trevor Simeon has actually targeted him the second most of anybody on the team ahead of Alvin Kamara. He's, it's actually Deontay Harris that's leading the team in targets from Trevor Simeon. But if you look a little into it, Deontay Harris is actually, he just had his DUI case resolved and there's a good chance he gets suspended three games either. I think it, it should come this year. Now they always say once the case is resolved, it happens. So it honestly, right. it could, it could happen soon. So, I mean, Adam Trotman's a guy I'm stashing pretty much everywhere. But I mean, if Kamar can't go, I, I think I mean, you, Ingram's the guy. He, you start him, right? Systems go. I'm down to start him. Yeah. Anywhere over a lot of guys that are kind of in split backfields or wishy-wash backfields, because I mean, this is still a very good team, a very good offensive line. I mean, Toronto Armstead is routinely, if not the number one graded offensive lineman on pro football focus, which he's been multiple times over the past half decade or so. He's routinely within the top five, six, seven or so. So that's just a very good player. And it's just easy to run behind a guy like that. So uh, absolutely interested there. Not really interested in any of the wide receivers, though. I mean, yeah, I don't know no. about you. Are you yeah, going no, with anybody? Really. He, he scored a touchdown last week. Uh, Traquan Smith's starting to get some more targets. But, yeah, nothing nothing here pops uh, entirely for me there. Nothing more than wide receiver threes, fours on that team there. Next matchup, Cleveland Browns, New England Patriots here. Nick Chubb tested positive for COVID. Uh, Felton tested positive for COVID. But both are vaccinated, so there is a possibility that they do play this week. So you something you're obviously monitoring there. If not, it's full systems go uh, with Deionis Johnson. The Patriots also having running back problems. Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris did not practice Wednesday. Patriots haven't made any running back moves, but it looks like if those two guys can't play, they'll just settle in 
with the Brandon Bolden, J.J. Taylor backfield for this week, which not exactly the most appealing running back group that I think we could throw out there. Trent Brown did return um, to practice today, which is a a good thing for the Patriots offensive line. That man is a mountain. And Mm -hmm. if we've seen Mac Jones get hit from the blind side, more times than we could count on there. And sometimes from the right tackle side too, he just gets slammed. So we'll help the offense there. But the Patriots offense itself, if they don't have those two running backs, I worry. I don't know what they're going to do against Cleveland. That's a strong defense. And if you're going to be putting the workload on Mac Jones, the throw against them, Cleveland could be an appealing fantasy play this week. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that the spread is the Patriots are favored in this situation. But I mean, well, Baker know, yeah, Baker sucks. Yeah, I know you've said that <laughs> you've, every week we have to mix one of those in there. Right. But uh, what else do I say? He's just not. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of been it's kind of been shown. I mean, it, at this point, it's going to it would take a drastic change. Let's just say um, sorry to the Browns fans out there. But I mean, hey, he's better than the other 16 quarterbacks you guys, you guys have had in recent years. So that's something. So, yeah, I mean, Trent Brown's got to be better than Isaiah Wynn. I, che- I checked and saw that running back coach Isaiah Ivan Fears. He, he said that we are in the waiting game with the two running backs that are both in concussion protocol. So it's not a thing where you just, it's basically they make it out or they stay in and there's no way that you don't get any info about it otherwise. So if they're, if Ivan Fears says they're in the waiting game, so are we, right? Brandon Bolden's a guy I'm interested in. If, if even one of those guys is out, honestly, because he catches a lot of passes. He's actually been a capable runner at times um, when needed to be called upon in this Patriots offense. And I think when he was with Miami, didn't it wasn't when he had that one game against the Patriots when he was in Miami, he had two rushing touchdowns. So right. he, he's the new, the Patriots always keep that one guy that could play either the pass catching or the running down role, right? So before it was Deion Lewis, he could play either role and he was ready to step up for James White or he's ready to step up for, for Steve Ridley or whoever it was yeah. at the time. And he did do that. And he did have 180 carries one year and another year he, he got hurt after seven games, but he was on pace for 112 targets. So he, he, he was that kind of guy. Uh, then Rex Burkhead became that kind of guy that could do either. And now I think Brandon Bolden's that guy where if, if everyone's out, he's going to play, he can play either role. Yeah. So he's not special in either way, but it's it's a volume game in a certain situation. Yes. You're starting Jacoby Myers in PPR. Nelson Aguilar is always a dice roll, but he's playing a lot of snaps. You're starting Hunter Henry. You're not starting Johnny Smith. I mean, Hunter Henry's he's been kind of tough with targets too, though. So uh, touchdowns, yeah. Standard leagues, yeah. Hunter Henry's been a wagon, right? With These are just two teams that use so much substitution and so many different personnel groups that it makes it just brutal. There's no one, we always talk about the Vikings, how we love them. It's two wide receivers, a running back. Awesome. Put your coffee down, hang your, hang your hat on it. It's great. With this, these teams, it's they use, the, the Browns use three different tight ends. They all run somewhere between seven and 20 routes out of 40. So none of them are useful, right? They use all these different wide receivers that are kind of all over the place. Jarvis is a low A dot guy that plays a ton of snaps. So you don't love the upside. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I guess, is the guy that's probably most exciting. I mean, how do you feel about him? He's he's I mean, he's definitely made some splash plays. Yeah, I mean, I saw a tweet today. said showed his last three starts. He's, he's been a highly productive. He was the guy that, you know, OBJ was hyping up during the offseason, if you remember. This dude's legit. Wait till you see him on the field. And then he, he disappeared. He didn't do anything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, listen, they're going to, you know, I still think they're going to be a run-heavy team. That's just their offensive scheme, obviously, whether it's the Arnold Johnson or Nick, or Nick Chubb back there. The Patriots generally try to take away one thing and make you beat them in another. So if they're worried about Donovan Peoples-Jones downfield, they'll cut him out. If they're worried about Arnold Johnson, they'll stop the run. We'll have to wait and see. But I mean, if you have him on your roster, sort of given how he performed, you kind of, you're probably playing him. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's you. You you have to go with with what's available to you. Right. But I mean, they, these guys are all on the fringe of what's going on. Brandon Bolden, all these guys. If you got nothing, you put them in there. You yep. don't start them over anybody you can trust, though. No, I agree. Next matchup, we have Detroit versus Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh's a nine-point favorite, 42 and a half game total here. The Lions claim Josh Reynolds off waivers today, so he might be their best receiver on the roster right now. Truthfully. Maybe. I mean, Cleef Raymond, Armand St. Brown, Reynolds might be above them. I, I don't know if he's going to play right away, obviously, but in the weeks to come, maybe there's something there for that. Hawkinson, obviously, is the number one target there. We'll see if Swift can get anything going against Pittsburgh's D. Flip side, we talked about Claypool potentially being out. Ebron's missed two straight weeks. Najee Harris is going to get a billion carries. And it looks like Friar Muth, maybe, man. Two scores, three scores in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I actually tweeted this pretty much exact thing out, which is that I didn't love Pat Frymuth coming into the season because it was him splitting snaps with Ebron 
and they had Juju and they had Deontay and they had Claypool and they had Najee. Well, now they don't have Juju or Ebron or Claypool. So now I do have for you. But I mean, it's as simple as that sometimes where we want consolidated targets. We don't want this big mass of different pass catchers and all these different schemes and things. James Washington is kind of a one trick pony as a deep threat, right? Which he'll be the guy that comes in for Claypool on the outside. Deontay Johnson is, of course, a threat himself. He's a good player. Raven McLeod is more of a slot guy, gadget player. So fire mute, the targets are probably going to be there for him. And the Lions, they're okay at stopping the tight end, but I think that's mostly because these teams have been running all over. If you look at George Kittle week one, he didn't do a ton because he didn't need to do a ton. So we'll have to see how the game script goes from that standpoint. And then the flip side, the Steelers are pretty good against the tight end, but you start Hawk where you have him, you start Swift where you have him, and then you don't start anybody else. And that's, that's the way I'm treating the Lions. Hawk, yeah. Swift, that's it. Yeah, uh, 100% there. I'm moving on to the next game here, Coop. Yeah. Jacksonville, shocking win last week against Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> on the road against the Colts. Colts are giving 10.5 points, 47.5 game total on this one. I mean, this feels just a Jonathan Taylor massacre waiting to happen. But Pittman and Wentz obviously have connected well in recent weeks there. Jacksonville, it's, it's it, you can really only trust Darren Arnold, but I think I was looking at some numbers, and maybe you, you're the tight end guy, so you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But hasn't the Colts actually been pretty decent against tight end this year? Or no, was was that, am I being mistaken here? No, oh, I think you you're right. Sorry, I I had that info up and I accidentally exited out of it. But I've they they've been pretty they've been pretty good against the tight end. So I I don't love that. I, actually no. So it's middle of the pack. I think they were okay. Left. I had it before. Yeah. Sorry about that. So Dan Dan Arnold, the thing is he's playing a lot of wide receiver with the amount Mm -hmm. of wide receiver he's playing that you have to kind of look at the slot cover guys, which I think that's not going to be too big of a problem. I still like Dan Arnold this week. He's not a bad matchup. Uh, I would normally the tight ends that are playing the Jaguars, but the Colts are another team where inexplicably they have Jack Doyle playing more snaps than Moelle cops, more snaps than Kyle Granson. They care about more, more about his blocking, and it just it it dilutes those those snap shares, and it kills the upside. That's the problem. Is that people look at Moelle Cox and they're, oh yeah, he scores a lot of touchdowns, but that's all it is. He's never a guy that's going to get ten targets, double digit targets. And there's a lot of those guys in the league where I would say even Dawson Knox, Rob Gronkowski, when it's that split, when it's that spread out, they just don't have that upside. But I mean, whereas a guy like Dan Arnold, where this team has nothing and the backs against the wall. This guy could have 10 targets. He could have 15 targets. That's why I look, when you look for upside, you go in those directions. From the Jaguars, I'm starting Carlos Hyde. If James Robinson's out, I mean, why not? It's, he's just getting, he's, they got nobody else. It's one of those things. I'm starting Dan Arnold. I'm starting Marvin Jones, but I don't know. I can't tell. LaVisca Chanel has been quite a disappointment. How do you feel about his situation, John? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, right? Ever since they bumped him to the outside, it's been downhill for him. And, and, it's been tougher matchups, so if you haven't seen guys come be productive really of late, plus I look at him largely from a DFS or PPR perspective. D- DFS, especially when he was under four thousand dollars, I was every time eight targets, seven targets, worth it. But now that he's mid four K, it's it's just not worth paying it because he doesn't really have touchdown upside. I know he scored a few weeks back, but it's not really a spot that I'm looking to go. And I don't want much to do with this offense. Maybe outside Carlos Hyde, right? Carlos Hyde is going to be the back again. Robinson, from what I saw today, didn't practice. So, you know, volume-wise, Howard Hyde could be the guy here against the Colts, you know, run mm. defense. Yeah. Yeah, with the Colts, I mean, I'm starting Pittman every week. Yeah. Zach Pascoe plays a full snap share, but he's not doing much. He's just kind of all-exercise team type guy, which is honestly good for Pittman. It's you, you don't want guys siphoning targets. It's kind of nice to have another wide receiver that's just out there to block or to yeah. do what he does. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Our next matchup here, Atlanta-Dallas. Dallas, blown out last week by Denver. It's kind of surprising, I think, to everybody. With Dak Prescott back after they won with Cooper Rush. And then you have Atlanta who pulled off a win last week against the Saints. The Saints had beat the Buccaneers the week prior and then faced Atlanta that doesn't have Calvin Ridley and they're in shambles. And Atlanta comes back and beats them there. Atlanta's getting nine. This is a 54 and a half game total here. I mean, I don't know. It, it feels you want to play all the Dallas guys and you want to fade Atlanta so outside maybe Corderell Patterson who keeps producing. Right. I mean, it's just, it's it, it really speaks to how, how week to week things change in the NFL that the Jaguars could beat the bills last week and Vegas still recognizes that they should get killed by the Colts and their 10 point dogs. And then the Cowboys get blown out. The Falcons actually win. 
yet the Cowboys are 10 point favorites. It's that's how it's just how you wake up that morning or how things go that day or how the matchups end up. It's just Vegas moves on and the odds are still the odds. So you still you, you just leave last week in the rear view. Teams get blown out. It's ha- it happens. And I think the Cowboys, you start all those guys, right? Even Dal- Dalton Schultz is a good matchup with Blake Jarwin out. Blake Jarwin's on IR, so he's not not even a threat to come to play. You start Zeke. I think the knee it was a contusion, not a ligament thing or anything like that. So Zeke should be fine. Amari, CD, Dak, you start all those guys. And then like you said, I mean, on the quarter passing, you start him. And I'm still starting Kyle Pitts. I mean, you drafted him high. You likely don't have any other option. The Cowboys aren't really that big of a threat for a guy that. I mean, it's people say, oh, well, what if they put Trayvon Diggs on him? Well, Trayvon Diggs actually let up the most yards of any cornerback in the league in man-to-man coverage. He's basically Asante Samuel. If people remember Asante Samuel in the past, and not junior, but Asante Samuel senior. I guess we're aging ourselves here, John. But Asante Samuel senior, he was such a... He would go for the interception, and when he didn't get it, it would be a touchdown. And that is kind of how Trevon Diggs has been playing as of late. He obviously has a ton of picks. He's got pick sixes, but he also just lets people score. Last week, Tim Patrick, you know what I mean, just right. just got beat. So I don't think that Trevon Diggs or anybody on this Cowboys defense really is a threat to stop Kyle Pitts from catching six or seven of his 12 targets, which he's probably going to get in a game like this. Yep, uh, 100% agree with you there. Matchup next one, we got Buffalo versus the Jets. Uh, we got Mike White's back under center, hopefully for a lot longer than he was last week, though. Those who played, uh, I don't know if you saw, Coop, uh, somebody won, again, second time this year, won the showdown Thursday DraftKings contest using the backup quarterback. That happened earlier this year with Geno Smith. Uh, and it happened again last Thursday with Josh Johnson winning somebody 500K. So good good on those guys and their multi lineups that they're building and they're just throwing the backup QB in one and then it hit. So the White's expected back here. Jets are getting 12. Buffalo coming off an embarrassing loss outright to Jacksonville last week, but also on the road for the second straight game. I, I think hopefully with White being back, we go back to the running backs being utilized heavily in that passing game. We talk about it all the time when, you get a mobile quarterback in there. They don't throw to the running backs. Johnson goes in there. Carter had one target. I think Ty Johnson had two catches. They just didn't throw to the backs with Johnson was in there at quarterback. We'll see what happens now with white back. If he goes back and giving the volume in the pass game to those running backs. Yeah. I mean, on that topic, it's funny. I actually just did uh coop scoops this week on that exact topic. So when I say this week, what I do is I talk about a concept on Friday and then we watch for it this weekend and then I kind of recap it what we saw and I talked about that exact thing and there are three quarterbacks in the league that are getting the ball that out of their hands in under two and a half seconds Big Ben Tom Brady and guess who the third is Mike White so <laughs> yeah so Mike White is just he's the guy that just and it's a good thing quarterback wise but that usually translates to those shorter routes so it translates to Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Jameson Crowder, who's playing a lot of snaps, and Elijah Moore, right? We'll have to see. If, is Corey Davis back? I mean, I I, I didn't see the update on him. but Yeah, I, he's going to play this week. He's, he's gonna, That hasn't been a problem for Jameis Crowder. That's kind of the sneaky DFS play, in my opinion. I mean, it's tough to start any of those guys outside of Michael Carter or potentially Ty Johnson in a real league, but that's where I'm going there. With Buffalo, we, we know what we got going on with this team. It's Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders play every snap. You have uh, Cole Beasley playing underneath, and then Gabriel Davis comes in for four wide receiver sets. We might see Dawson Knox this week. The thing with a team, the Jets, is that there's a new thing that people are doing, or not necessarily new, but it's an old strategy that's kind of come back, the cover two shell, right? So we see Brandon Staley doing it, and we know Robert Sala loves sitting back in cover two shell. Basically what you do is you just stick two high safeties back there, and you just say, okay, Take what you want underneath, and we'll try and stop you before the sticks. That should translate to a decent game for Cole Beasley. And if Dawson Knox is actually healthy, I know he had surgery in his hand, to a guy like that. So I wouldn't, even though it's kind of a juicy matchup, I don't know if I'd necessarily love Manuel Sanders and Diggs. I mean, I'm starting Diggs everywhere I have him, and Manny too if I need him. But this is this this type of defense translates to a Cole Beasley game is what I'm saying. Yeah, listen, uh, we've seen it a couple weeks in a row. The weeks prior, rather, obviously nothing happened good for the the bills in that jacksonville game but i'm with you there i'll I'll buy into it next matchup tampa bay washington we alluded to it at the open godwin questionable to play now antonio brown not ready to go tampa bay going up against a washington secondary which tom brady we we figured this would have been 
uh, a perfect spot for them fresh off a bye. But he may only have uh, Mike Evans and We'll see how long Gronk can go out there after the back spasm took him out of the game before that. Maybe this is a, a Johnson. Kyler Johnson finally steps up there maybe and, and, and makes a play or they just run the football, though. Kind of tough to run against Washington with Fournette there. The flip side, again, Tampa Bay secondary, also not very good. You got Henneke, you got McLaurin. I saw that Logan Thomas practiced but was sore, he said, afterwards. Not officially off the IR yet. So you could get Ricky Seals-Jones again this week. That's See, that's the worst, man. We were talking about that with the running backs, where it's, some of them have lined up perfectly, where they go right into the bye, and then they come out, and they get the full workload. Dave Montgomery just did that. Well, we got lied to with the Montgomery thing, though. Nagy right, said a little he was going to work him into the game yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah. We got lied. Right, but he had the bye. So it's yeah. like now, now Saquon has that, too. Where we're hoping that Saquon comes out and just takes a full job, and it's no... The worst thing is this situation where it's we going to ease Logan Thomas in and Ricky Seals Jones. The whole benefit of Logan Thomas was he's playing every single snap and he was playing snaps at wide receiver. You take that away, and I don't really love Logan Thomas anymore. I mean, that's what we liked about him. It's, he never was particularly amazing efficiency-wise. And this this whole matchup really is just it's full of – it's just such a real shame because Washington is such a bad defense versus – the pass. I mean, did they where they rank in DVOA versus pass, John? I know you were looking at those. Yeah, you, so, are they so, still last? Are they, uh, Washington ranks second to last to Jacksonville. Second, second last to Jacksonville. I know in pure yards per game, they are giving up 286.8 yards per game, which is the worst. So it's Tampa Bay actually has a top 10 DVOA against the pass now, but I think again, you look at some of the opponents, maybe. That has a little bit to do with it as well. But if they're forced to throw against, there's definitely an opportunity to throw on them here. I just wish we could turn injuries off. You do it. You didn't Madden when you were a kid yeah. and just have Brady, Godwin, Mike Evans, Gronk, Antonio Brown going against Washington with a healthy Logan Thomas, a healthy Ryan Fitzpatrick sitting yeah. around, Curtis Samuel out there doing all the weird gadget stuff he does. That would this would be such a fun game, and I mean it's a brutal game. Football's a brutal yeah, game. The, the thing is, and this is what we come into a little bit. It's almost like the NBA, where Tampa Bay knows where they're going to be at the end of the regular season. So there's no reason for them to play mm. these guys if they're not a hundred, right? They're going to be at the top of their division. They're going to get a buy probably, or at least be in contention for that buy because there's only one team that gets a buy now and change in this, the playoff format. And it, so they're, they want to be hundred percent ready for the dance when Tom Brady's going to be looking to defend their title. So if Godwin's ankles at 85%, they're not going to play him. If, oh. if, if, if Antonio Brown's at 80%, they're not going to play him, right? They're just going to let these guys rest up. Brady's going to beat Washington without them anyways, most likely. So there's no reason to risk it. The Tampa Bay Spurs, right? Right. Exactly. All right, well, let's go on to the next matchup. Yeah, then. let's go to the next matchup here. Carolina, Arizona. Sam Darnold hit the IR today, so we got a P.J. Walker at quarterback, though. Matt Rule said they're exploring all options at the quarterback position today. So but, I don't know what that means. Does that mean <laughs> Philip Rivers gets a phone call? Does that mean Cam Newton gets a phone Cam, call? that's right. What, whatever, whatever the explore all options at the quarterback position means. Uh PJ Walker was what the XFL MVP or something like that. So yeah, yeah, he's kind yeah. of a fun player. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's there's something there. So and then you got Arizona, another team that just I think shocked everybody last week. Colt McCoy just nickel and diving his way all the way down to, to what I think it was like 23 of 26 passing or something like that. Ooh, James Conner got... had three scores and then they routed 49ers. I got the numbers on that too. I actually yeah. looked at it. So I talked about guys that are under two and a half seconds release, which I. I I narrowed it down to guys that actually qualify that have started all year. Cole McCoy was getting the ball at 2.35 seconds, which yeah, is dude, ridiculously I, quick. I was having an, a kind of a back and forth discussion with somebody who I had recommended play the 49ers defense. Like, I'm not perfect, right? I can only make the, make the, the, the calls based off what's in front of me here. I'm looking at a 49ers team that's home. That's favorites against a backup quarterback. Also without their number one receiver. And like, how can you how can you suggest the 49ers and Colt McCoy shredding them? I'm um, he's throwing screens right. that are going for yeah. 40 yards. I I can't <laughs> air yard completion of the day. <laughs> like um, yes, the 49ers laid a huge egg. And at the end of the day, Colt McCoy's numbers look great, but he wasn't throwing he wasn't dicing them up. This wasn't Tom Brady back there who's literally throwing screens to these receivers and running backs and getting huge chunk plays. The 49ers. Were, a, were asleep. They just weren't paying attention. So 
They have an opportunity to do that this week, though, against Carolina, too. I mean, I don't know. I know Carolina actually has a really good uh, pass rush. I saw a stat about that today. They have one of the best pass rushes in terms of time getting to the quarterback, one of those advanced metric stats. So there's something that can be said there. They're they're actually one of the best teams versus the screen as well. From uh, uh, Their defense is fast. Fast linebackers. That's what it is, yeah. So I looked it up before because I'm a pass fan at heart, so I always look at that stuff when it's our team. prepare for our podcast. I prepare for the podcast, yeah. And for the tight ends, too, I got to know what's going on. Is it going to be a John U game? Is it going to be a Henry game? And I knew it wasn't going to be a John U game because of the, they are killer versus scream. They're only letting up three yards a screen, which is, that means they're stopping because the, the nature of screens is how hitter like big, their big plays or, or shallow plays. That means they're stopping a lot of these screens in the backfield because just in general, you're running screens a lot of times when it's third and 20 and they'll let you get 12 yards. So if you're letting up only three yards on average on a screen, you are stopping a lot of these dead in their tracks. Yeah, right. They're, they're identifying the screen right away. They're blowing through whatever linemen's trying to pull to get out there because they're so quick uh, and they're blowing it, blowing it up. So Kyler Murray may play. This hasn't been officially ruled out. I saw that Hopkins is probably unlikely to play this week. So something to watch. But Chase Edmonds out. James Conner. Anybody who is in on the James Conner can go ahead and victory lap. I mean, listen, you're already victory lapping because he's on pace to lead the league in touchdowns. But now he's going to be the featured back for the next few weeks while Benjamin is the backup there. So, yeah, you know, that's that's pre- that's pretty much where I'm going. James Conner is the only guy in Arizona I really want to consider. And on the flip side for Carolina, it's, I would assume it's Christian McCaffrey he had 100 total yards in his first game back. Yeah, so is DeAndre Hopkins looking like he's going to be out again, or is he going to play? Yeah, I thought I saw that he was probably – it was unlikely he was going to play. That's tough. That's tough because they, so they moved Christian yeah, Kirk. Yeah, non-participant in practice on Wednesday. So they moved Christian Kirk back outside with him and A.J. Green out. I mean, he's probably going to see a lot of Gilmore. And, yeah, I don't really love it either. I mean, and he said – Chase Clay, sorry, James Conner is looking. He's going to be this year's 2016 LeGarrette Blunt, where he has a thousand, maybe just over a thousand yards and 18 touchdowns because he's just the guy that plunges it in on a really good offense. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you got him, you definitely start him until James Conner get. I mean, until Chase Evans gets back. And on the flip side, I mean, I'm starting DJ Moore. I can't go away from him in this unless your team is uh, an absolute wagon. I mean, how do you how do you how do you bench him? Right. You can't start Terrace Marshall. Robbie Anderson just kind of a mess, and I'm starting CMC. I mean, yeah. he he got enough touches, and it's only going to go up. So yeah, 100 total yards his first game back, so he was he was he was fine. Minnesota versus the Chargers is the next game here. We talked about the Dalvin Cook thing. I don't think anything's going to come of that this week. Maybe it hangs over him a little bit if you want to pay attention to something like that. But three point spread, 53 game total. Herbert a monster game last week. Minnesota. This is a game where it should be Dalvin Cook all day. Chargers are dead last in DVOA against the run. Assuming Cook's there, it's him. If he's out, it's Madison. All systems go running the football here. But then last week, I guess we'll have to see the injury status for the Chargers. But the Chargers were also without both their starting cornerbacks against Philadelphia. And Devonta Smith went off. He had over 115 yards receiving or something like that. So if they're without that secondary again, Dealing and Jefferson are right there to have to deal with some backup QB uh, CBs rather. So yeah, you start the we love the Vikings. You start Thielen, you start Jefferson, you start Dalvin. Tyler Conklin, he, the problem with him is he blocks on too many pass plays. I think I mentioned this last week, but he's the only guy in the top 30 fantasy tight ends, which is so many tight ends that is blocking on 18% or more of his pass plays. And this week, for instance, this week he played 28 pass plays. He blocked on nine of those. So it's, he might as well not be on the field for those plays. So he only ran 19 routes despite playing this huge snap share. That's the thing is people look at, Oh, look at the snap share. Look at the target share. There are going to be games where, where he gets two catches and he smokes you. you know what I mean, because he's just not running the routes. This is a good matchup where if you're, if you're in a hole, maybe you start him, but I'm telling you, you got to find somebody else if you, you've been leaning on Tyler Conklin because there are going to be ugly games. With the Chargers, I mean, Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert last week was among the uh, lead leaguers getting the ball out of his hand quickly and 12 receptions on 13 targets for Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, man, I guess he kind of, we thought he was going to be an absolute beast. He had been to start the season, but I mean, two catches in three games in a row. Gotta have you a little bit concerned, no? Yeah, I mean, defenses are just, all right, well, if we keep everything in front of us, they, they want to, excuse me, have that big play. And that's what they're doing. They're just making sure that Williams doesn't go downfield on them. 
And Keenan Allen's benefited from that, and, and Eckler obviously benefits from that, and Cook to an extent. But that's what's happening there with uh, with, with Williams. I and mean, he also was banged up for a bit. So I know he's not in the injury report, but now that was something he dealt with earlier this year. And, and this is a problem with being a streaky player. It's just teams figure out, right? They put a guy on there, jam him at the line, have a guy over the top, and, and you shut him down. So. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes. It's it's all about tape. It's all about certain things. That, that's why it's you with these second year players. A lot of times you have to be ready for the possibility that they didn't see the best coverage or the best defense. And then now it's going to be tough. I mean, it happens with quarterbacks. I mean, it's more of a baseball thing, really. The sophomore slump, but they see a guy can't hit the curveball. So he just eats a bunch of curveballs. You know, right. but, but Calvin Ridley, it's a guy that where we saw him face. A lot of second CBs. Now he's facing top CBs. Not, I know he's got a different situation going on now, but wasn't looking good. And you got things you got to think about. How teams adjust. And that this league is a copycat league. So when one team figures it out, I mean, I don't want to go off too long on this topic, but the be, the biggest example was the Rams with Goff when McVay was calling the plays into his ear and he was calling the plays at the line of scrimmage. McVay was calling them, and teams figured that out, and the defenses weren't getting set until the headset shut off and then they would move around and then the Rams got crushed by, I think it was the 49ers that figured it out. And then every team started doing that after that. And the team, yeah, went that's to, why they didn't score anything in the Super Bowl. They felt like, I don't right. want you guys to even break the huddle until don't it's even, too late. You know? Yeah. Don't even break the huddle. And then it's, and then they knew that percentage wise, it was at the time Gerald Everett was playing. It was a pass play 75% of the time. When Tyler Higby was in there, it was a run play like right. 75% of the time. It's like, this dude, before the play even, before the huddle even broke, there was a the huge advantage there. And sometimes you do see that in these situations. And I think that's what you're seeing with Mike Williams here is that teams are just seeing what he would did at the beginning of the season and said, oh, well, we'll we just saw how to take that away, so we will. Yep, exactly. Uh, next matchup here, an interesting one. Seattle versus Green Bay. Russell Wilson returning from IR. Chris Carson designated to return from IR. We know Metcalf and Lockett are, are there for Seattle. On the flip side, we have Aaron Rodgers, who says he expects to pass his two tests before Sunday and be good to go. And Devontae Adams is there and maybe Odell. I feel at this point, probably not because he hasn't practiced. But if he signs and he gets in a practice by Friday, maybe he finds his way onto the field for them. But you know, just getting Aaron Rodgers back, getting Russell Wilson back, this is definitely going to be an interesting game to watch. Green Bay minus three, 49 and a half game total. I don't know if I'm trusting Carson, even if he's good to go. That neck injury is, is, is scary. And I don't know if they're willing to just give him the full workload. Yeah, I think he was seeing 60% of the snaps anyways beforehand. But I don't know. I, that's a scary injury to deal with anytime someone's got a neck problem. So for me, it's the quarterback and it's the two, two receivers for Seattle. And on the Green Bay side, I think you can just kind of go business as usual if Rodgers is there. Yeah, I mean, I would rather have, I feel I'd rather have Odell not even knowing the playbook, just schoolyard style, than half those wide receivers. I mean, what is Marquez Valdez Scantling doing, just right. running running directly down the field that Odell can't do? You know what I mean, so especially with a quarterback as creative as Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, yeah, the Seattle running back situation—it's a shame because Chris Carson was the guy they trusted him, and now it's turned into this muddled thing because the Seahawks were a team, the Vikings, where it's two wide receivers, the quarterback that you, and then a running back. And now we kind of lost that one aspect, but I still with Russell Wilson, I think that's a big boost for Tyler Lockett. He's been boom bust, but his big thing is creating those late plays, Tyree kill. Right. But when you have Tyree kill, doesn't work that if you don't have Mahomes to extend the play and same goes for the Seahawks. If you don't have Russell Wilson to extend that play, then Tyler Lockett can't make his magic happen. We saw a little bit of it last week. And I think we see a lot more of it this week. So those guys are back on the menu for me. Devontae Adams, he always start. Aaron Jones is a guy that I a lot, and I don't think Bakhti, Dave Bakhtiari is going to be back for this game, but he's been activated. So before your trade deadline, I mean, we're talking about a guy that I talked about Teron Armstead earlier. We talked about, we'll talk about Trent Williams, but Bakhtiari is up there with those guys. I mean, he's graded out. He was a third graded out lineman last year on Pro Bowl Focus. I think, uh, couple years ago he was two he's almost always near in or near the top 10 very consistent and when that guy gets back it's going to be back to business running the ball so aaron jones is a guy that is still potentially attainable that i think is going to be better in the second half so all those guys with the rest of those guys i mean i don't know man taking your life in your hands starting anybody else alan lazard is probably the one that i would the most out of anyone on the packers that isn't Devontae adams I hear you there. Next matchup, Philadelphia-Denver. Kind of an ugly one. 
Yep. Jordan Howard scored again last week. Make it stop. Can you yeah. please? I don't really have much of the Philadelphia side. I mean, great to see Goddard continue to get targets. And, and Devonta Smith had a big game. But going into Denver after what Denver did last week, not really overly appealing. And then if you're looking at the Denver side of things, where you want to attack Philadelphia, it's going to just going to be sort of a committee with the running 20th in DVOA against the run, 21st DVOA against the pass. So they activated fans back from COVID IR today. They have Judy, they have Sutton, and then it's Gordon and Javante Williams. It's just, just there's too many directions that they could go here against this matchup. Yeah, it's a little it's a little concerning there. But Tim Patrick is supposed supposed to be banged up, and Albert O hurt his hurt his knee. Albert Akwe Boonham. So you might it might be a little more consolidated than it usually is. I think this is definitely a game where you start Melvin Gordon, and if you've been leaning on Javante Williams and you got buys and stuff, then he's a guy too, man. I mean, you said the Eagles are susceptible to that. On the flip side. I've moved Dallas Goddard up in my season-long rankings because he plays a lot of slot with Ertz gone. But if there was ever a week to not start him, it's against this team. So what the what the Broncos basically do is they have Justin Simmons, who is a real problem. This guy is just a very good physical safety, and they're not willing. They're not opposed to just putting him on guys at times. So. Sometimes you'll see a team that has a bunch of weapons go into Denver and they won't put Justin Simmons on the tight end. The tight end will do okay. Sometimes you see a team come in, the Chiefs, and they'll just put Justin Simmons right on Kelsey or they'll put him right on the top uh, tight end. And I think that's going to be the situation. It's not a good matchup for Goddard. Definitely don't use him in DFS, right? You don't have to. So so I wouldn't. If you have nobody else in your regular leagues, roll him out. He's a good player. He's going to get targets. It's just not a good, it's not in general a good matchup. Yeah. And then you start, you start Devon Smith. I mean, as far as the Eagles running backs is, is there any of them that you consider to be RB two caliber or flex caliber? I think you can play them both. It's just zero targets, not, not a single Eagles running back got a target last week and they had 10 and Jalen Hurts ran the ball himself 10 times. Yeah. That's that's the problem. I think I don't know. This is a tough matchup for them, too, to run the football, right? But you, how do you look at sort of what Jordan Howard has gotten and not at least think he's safe for a flex play, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at – you. I mean, you, you got to look at your own team and look at – I know it's tough for a fantasy advice show. you got to look at your own team, look within your heart, and say, <laughs> do I need to start this guy or do I have someone else that I can start? Because like, like, I don't think game you don't trust guy, him. Yeah. You know, unless you think they're going to be Definitely from behind. Not. And then you have Howard and and Scott both getting double-digit carries again. But it was 40% of the snaps for Jordan Howard last week. He had 17 carries, 71 yards, and a score. He had two touchdowns the week before. It feels like leaning his direction as the running back that you want. It's, you can't start Kenneth Gainwell. I'm going to say it right now. He had yeah. 11. He only played 11 snaps. They, they had 57 snaps. He played 11. You can't start. So don't. Right. You know, so I, I think it's just trending in that direction where – Howard's the guy you're going to end up playing. And like I said, I, I understand that the snap count has been even, but I, I think Howard, just given the total volume that he got last week, is probably the direction uh, sure. you want to go there. The, this next game here is my favorite. Yeah, Kansas guy. City versus Las Vegas. This is my favorite. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite game. It's interesting. I saw highlights today Deshaun Jackson at practice. So DJ's likely going to play this week, going to take the 94% snap share that Zay Jones likely got and just – put him back to the bench. Be is weird. there an opportunity for DJX to see more than the four targets he got? Maybe, I'm, but yeah. probably not. I don't know. They would have to, I think, change the way the offense moves. Coop, we talked about this last night, last week rather, uh, extensively. And that is the idea that when Henry Ruggs, then that incident happened, he was removed, that people immediately gravitated to the idea that, well, Brian Edwards will be, is more valuable now, or Hunter Renfro is more valuable now. And I said here, that's just not the case. He's mm-hmm. on the field already. These guys are already on the field. They already have their role. They're already getting the same amount of targets. And that's exactly what happened. Brian Edwards played 90% of the snaps. He got four targets. Hunter Renfro did his usual usual amount of snaps. He got his eight targets. He found the end zone this, this last week, which is great. Waller saw a little bit of an uptick. Second time all season, he had double-digit targets. But Zay Jones came in there, played the Ruggs role, got the four targets that Ruggs got, did nothing with them. So nothing is changing with the way that they're running their offense in Las Vegas. They're just hot swapping guys to play on the outside. And now they have DJX, who's maybe the best of the three they had before. So, yeah, I get it, John. You're right. I'm wrong. Brian, you're smart. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I was on board with that. At first, I was, it was a start sit, and I was okay. Yeah, Brian Edwards, target's got to be there. But you're right, he has been out there all. He's playing the snaps. Targets are earned, and that's that's the difference a lot of times between uh, wide receiver and tight end, where you have three wide receivers on the field all the time. So whoever earns them gets them. With tight end, Albert Aquebunum has to be better than Noah Fant to get them. So it's that he needs to be on the field too. That's the difference maker there. So I was just pulling your leg there, but uh, with, with the, with this matchup, it's talk about people have been dogging these two tight ends, which they're the best two tight ends in the league and they should be ranked one and two, right? Kelsey one, Waller two by everyone. I have people saying, Oh, what do I do about this? It's, what do I do? Do what do you do about what? Darren Willis had at least essentially 50 yards, at least every single game. I mean, no tight ends are doing that. A lot of these tight ends are getting 20-yard games, 30-yard games. You you got him for his positional scarcity and the fact that he's capable of double-digit targets, which we talked about not a lot of guys are. In this game, Kansas City is the fourth-worst team versus the tight end. Las Vegas is the sixth-worst. The over-under is 52 points. This is going to be a shootout. We know who the ball is going to go to. Or two tight ends. Yeah, it's in theory, yeah. In theory, Hedges is playing crap, so... Yeah, that's true. But he got the ball out of his hand a lot faster this past week, uh, even though, you know, the results weren't amazing. But I think he's at least recognized that he was holding onto the ball too long. And I think that's going to be a step in the right direction. So uh, it's the Chiefs are the same as always. You start Darrow Williams, you start Patrick Mahomes, you start Tyreek, you start Kelsey, Vegas, you start. Renfro Waller. Renfro Waller. And uh, maybe Drake. Drake's actually three straight. I know the snaps haven't been there, Coop, but I know that's always your hangup. But you also yeah. kind of have to look at the usage of when he's at least on the field, right? And, it's better this well, week. It's a lot better this week. Right. You know, I think didn't Jacobs get hurt a little bit there too, or no? He did, but even before that, Drake was – they went back to the split that everyone thought it was supposed to be right. where Drake was playing more pass snaps, Jacobs playing more run snaps, and that's fine with me. If yep. as long as the problem for me for a little while there is that Jacobs was getting more pass snaps, and it's why right. did you pay this guy all this guaranteed all right. money? Now, weeks four and five when he had no targets and Jacobs is out there with six, you're like, huh? What a, what a just a ridiculous allocation of funds. Right. I mean, what are you doing? And Kenyon Drake is he's an explosive player. I mean, last year he had he had a he, every year he has a 70 yard touchdown. It's just I just wish another team would have got him rather right. than this team, but it's yeah. a you know, it's that's what the Raiders do. He's fast, and they would just want him. And, and this is a game where if it is a shootout, you want the Drake shares, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely, definitely a spot there. And then last game here, the the Monday night football game, we have the Rams versus the 49ers. Kittle came back last week. We thought it was gonna be a tough matchup for him against Simmons, and he had a big game. Debo banged up, didn't really perform too well there. Ayuk, something we talked about. If if Debo wasn't gonna be 100%, take a look at Ayuk. He came through. Um, for you guys there as well. Mitchell's still the running back that you want in San Francisco. And then we, we know what the Rams are, right? There right. is, you know, what that happens. dude, the Rams is great. It's so consolidated though. Did you see it? I, I tweeted out some info on it, but listen to this dude. Listen how consolidated this Rams offense is now. Only 14 players played last week and three of, and two of them only played three or fewer snaps. So we're talking, we're talking, at the bottom, we're talking Kendall Blanton played two snaps, and Bennett Skaronik, he's a he's a rookie, played three snaps. Those are two of the 14 players. So basically, you play 11 guys. They had 12 guys play the whole game. The only guys that rotated were Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle. They had 78 snaps. Every guy besides the running backs played 75 more snaps. They basically are just like, this is the offense. These 11 guys, yeah. you know, or these these 10 guys, and then we switch the running backs in. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I love that, right? Ben like, Jefferson, 96%. He's the one that I keep kind of keying in on because yeah. he's the number three receiver there. But 96% of the offensive snaps, seven targets. Last three weeks now, seven, six, and seven targets for him. So while the reception's there for four, three, three, he's been a 50% catch rate. Loving the volume that he's at least getting there. And he's on the field all the time. They used so. to do this. They used to do this with Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. And they were there were there were stretches where all three were fantasy relevant, which I'm the I'm the one that says that never happens. But if they're gonna do if they're gonna go full Ron Rivera and just use the same dudes every snap, then it is possible. So I am interested in Van Jefferson. Tyler Higby has a terrible matchup this week. I don't care where I mean, even with Kittle doing what he did, I mean he he took advantage versus zone. I mean, Isaiah Simmons came and punched the ball out of punched the ball out on a fumble and the, the right. cards recovered. Yeah. I mean, he is just he is a problem. And we're not talking about George Kittle here. We're talking about Tyler Higby. You know what I mean? This is a guy, Tyler Higby's played a million snaps. 
He has six end zone targets, which no one else has, and he's just still just a guy. So I'm not going there with him. With the with the 49ers, you said it already, right? Mitchell, Debo, yeah. Kittle. Yeah, the snaps have always been there for Ayuk, but now he's getting the looks. Yeah. So yeah, definitely cool something to, to at least monitor there for him last week before Ayuk. After, what I found was interesting, we talked about it actually, was the press conference that he gave on the Friday leading into last week. They asked about the week's prior sort of breakout performance, and he said – it has to do with practice and he's finally gotten through to him with Shanahan and his teammates that they had to see him trust him on the practice field to trust him on the, the playing field on NFL on Sunday. So that, that finally clicked. He must've put in a good work of practice the week prior. They threw to him. He had a great game last week, same thing. So maybe we finally turned a corner here with Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is getting the snaps now he's back up to, there was a time where he wasn't playing the full snaps, but now he's got that job back. So, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. I'm in. Yep. 100% there. So Coop, do you have any lifestyle tip of the week for us? So I do have one. So I I, I don't know if I, I know there, there are some, some female listeners out there. Shout out Anne and the gang. I'm not sure if this applies to them. But I've actually conducted a, a science experiment over the last year or so. And some of these I haven't bought all at the same time. And what I'm talking about here is joggers, or as I refer to them, is sweatpants, right? So I've actually tried out a ridiculous number of different brands to try to find the best ones because I, right? So I tried, I'm not even kidding, Mack Weldon, Banana Republic, Lululemon, North Face, I'm some Under, Armors at the moment. Under Armour. I've tried them all, man. And I'm telling you, I went into this with bias. There were brands that I wanted to be the best ones, and there were brands that I didn't want to be the best ones. And guess what? I can say that without without fail, the ones that I did not want to be the best ones are the best ones. And we're not sponsored by these guys or paid by these guys, but Lululemon ABC joggers are unequivocally the best joggers out there. So... That's my recommendation there. Under Armour, I do. And there's a few of them that were just a little too too flimsy. I'm not going to bash anybody because we don't want to do any anti-advertising or anything like that. But I'm telling you, man, those are the winners, man. They're a little expensive, which is annoying. But I'm just saying these are – they might be my favorite pants in general. So that's my life tip there. You just got to – man, I know it's it, – the name is not flattering. It seems a brand that, that – not for dudes, but I'm telling you, man – they're the best. They're comfortable, man. You can't be somebody that. who works from home and is frequently in sweatpants. Joggers are, are just a way of life for me as well. So I have <laughs> yeah. hundreds of pairs of sweatpants in different colors. So when the jogger trend came about, I'm like, yep, sign me up. You, you know, get, give it to me. I'm, I'm all for it. So right. oh, I can, I, well, apparently, if you call them joggers, you can wear them out to the supermarket and stuff. And everyone's oh, yeah. Cool. yeah, for sure. But just yeah, actually I, wearing some running shoes or something, and and people think you just you're you're ready to to work out. So exactly, yeah. But I'm telling you, give them a chance. I know it seems kind of a kind of a an odd odd choice for for fantasy analysts or things like that. But I'm telling you, man, you can't beat. I I couldn't. Be, I, like I said, I was rooting them against them. They won, man. There's no way. It was no comparison. So there you go. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So that wraps up our week 10 preview here, everybody. Of course, we can find us, Coop and I, all over Twitter, all over the Discord. There with the Fantasy Alarm as well. You can get us on the Fantasy Alarm website. And then, of course, on Sundays from 11 to noon, Coop and I are in there answering your start to take questions live on our live stream, getting it for week 10. Uh, Coop, good talking to you, man. And everybody else, we will catch you next week.